Good morning. Boy, the words to those old hymns contain a lot of truth, don't they? This morning, this morning we wrap up our brief series on joy, really on joy in the Lord. Two weeks ago, we began by looking at the Apostle Paul's admonition to rejoice in the Lord always, and we marveled that joy in the Lord is always available. I've suggested to you, even encouraged you to, to dare to believe that, that Joy in the Lord is more than only an attitude of the heart. It is that. But I've suggested to you that it's also what the, the word joy means on its face in any language, including those original biblical languages. And that is great happiness and delight, even a feeling of elation. We've also seen that joy in the Lord always is ultimately from the Lord. It's not something that we must muster up somehow on our own strength, but as that very word rejoice reminds us, joy is something that we echo back again to God and in doing so bless others around us when we're joyful and echoing God's joy. Then last week, I suggested to you that one key to discovering this joy in our lives is to take on the difficult task and the process of learning to love the struggle of life, learning to love the opportunity that struggles give us to experience the love of God, and because of out of such struggles and hardships, that's where God promises and gives joy. In fact, joy in the Lord feeds on hardship. Joy is at its best when life is at its worst. And what... While I've enjoyed this series on joy, I hope you have too, I have to tell you, while going into this series, I was convinced of the biblical truth of, of all I've been sharing with you, but I came to church each morning the past two weeks with some hesitancy. And that's because I haven't personally experienced much struggle and hardship in my life. I've lost grandparents, and we lost Jill's dad. That was and still is really hard, and, and I've shared with you the past couple of weeks that Ben's about to head off to college in Michigan. But that's about it. Other than some bumps and bruises of normal life, that's about it. Some hard things. But I know there are many with so much harder things in their lives. And so I thought, man, I, how is this always joy stuff going to impact people who have experienced much deeper and darker and 
far more agonizing pain than I have ever experienced myself. Because the last thing that I want to do is to somehow run over or trivialize someone's deep pain and hardship by, by thumping on the pulpit and proclaiming, Rejoice in the Lord always, I say again, rejoice. I worried, did I have personal standing to be so bold about something I haven't experienced very much myself? But it was too late. I had already announced the series on joy. <laughs> Great. But I can now also tell you, many of you who have experienced horrible loss and terrible pain in life, I want to share with you all that many of those folks, each week, so many, have come after service and then throughout the week to come and tell me that you have experienced this always joy in the Lord in your struggle. It's really true. We really can dare to believe in this always joy, even in the toughest circumstances in life, especially in them. I, I knew as best I could from biblical study and some personal experience, and I'm sure the conviction of the Holy Spirit I trust, that always joy in the Lord is true, but, but now I really know it's true because of your testimonies, your stories of, of God's joy in your pain. Sunday school this morning, I listened to Ryan Long urge us to keep telling those stories. And he's right. We need to keep telling our stories of the joy in the Lord there in tough times because it encourages us to, to hear once again that the Bible's truth is far more than words on a page. It's real, real life. Stories of joy in the Lord in tough times help us all to, to dare to believe it's not too good to be true, that we can and we will experience the joy of the Lord in all circumstances, no matter how tough. It's really true. And oh, praise God for his incredible gift of joy. And so as I thought about how to wrap up our series on joy, although I'll get at least one more shot in a few weeks when we dive into the book of James, Joy is in the second verse of James. It's the very first thing on James' mind right after he writes, Dear Twelve Tribes. But this morning I want to especially share with those here today who are right now in the middle of something awful in life. And even if you're not right now, you may, you may still want to listen in because chances are one day you will be. One of the cardinal rules of reading and applying Scripture is to remember always that Scripture informs Scripture. In other words, the Bible never contradicts itself. Never. If it seems to us like it does, we need to look harder because it will harmonize. 
And so we need to remember, always check with the context of Scripture as a whole when studying a particular verse or passage or book or even one of the Testaments. Now, I've been highlighting each week for us Paul's instruction in Philippians to rejoice in the Lord always. But there are important contextual insights in the Bible into Paul's instruction to rejoice always. And one significant group of those contextual insights can really be summed up in those rather famous opening verses of Ecclesiastes chapter 3 where we read, there is a time for everything, a season for every activity under the heavens, including in verse 4, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Now, when Paul wrote, rejoice in the Lord always, I say it again, rejoice, he he was certainly well aware of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Probably knew it by heart, given his training as a Pharisee of Pharisees. And so Paul knew even as he wrote to rejoice in the Lord always that we aren't going to be happy all the time. Sometimes in life it's appropriate to weep and to mourn and and when those times come, we need to cry, and we need to be sad. It's what, it's what makes us human. It's a large part, really, of what makes us made in the image of God. And we all know when sadness and sorrow becomes so great, overwhelms us, joy seems to have left the building seems to have fled, doesn't it? Have you ever been there? A time so dark or so hard that joy seemed completely, utterly gone. Like I said before, I have little doubt that someone here at least is there even right now. Maybe you're here this morning as several have been the last couple of weeks. They told me they came they came because life is so hard right now, they had nowhere else to go. And maybe you're here this morning because you have nowhere else to go. It's that hard right now. So what then of this always joy we've been talking about? What then when, when joy seems far, far away? There's a saying that I learned a long time ago. It was so long ago I forgot about it. And then there it was again in a book I was reading this week. And when I read it, it was like meeting an old friend. It goes like this. Communion with God is something like the weather. There are sunny days, overcast days, and storms. But the sky never goes away. Whenever joy seems to be absent, I'm going to suggest to you this morning that she really isn't gone. 
For you theologians out there, we know joy can't go anywhere, not if the Holy Spirit is present, because joy is a fruit of the Spirit. So joy is always there. It only seems like joy is gone sometimes. Just like blue sky behind thick, dark clouds, there are sunny days, overcast days, and storms. But the sky never goes away. The sky is there behind the clouds, through the clouds, just on the other side of them. You know it is. And so too with joy. Joy is there, just behind the sorrow, no matter how deep, just through the sorrow. You can know in the Lord that it is. So the advice we can take to heart when life is hard is to reach for joy. Reach for her with all our might because, my dear friends and brothers and sisters in Christ, joy is always closer than we think. Yes, always. And Ecclesiastes and Philippians come into harmony and together teach us that we can reach for joy, which is always there even when it rains. Reach for it always because it is indeed always there even when it doesn't seem like it. Joy is always closer than we think. One reason that, um, that musical Annie is so popular is because it teaches this same lesson. Joy is always closer than we think. That lesson is really the heart and soul of that musical. Despite, despite the hard-knock life of Annie and her orphan friends, Annie dares to think about tomorrow, right on the other side of today, just like blue sky right behind the clouds. She knows Tomorrow is there. And I wonder if that never give up song should be ours too when things get hard. I'd sing a few lines for you, but I've been singing to you way too much lately. <laughs> and Annie really does it best. Um, I found an interesting rendition. Let's listen. Just thinking about tomorrow Clears away the cobwebs and the sorrow Till there's none When I'm stuck with a day that's gray and lonely I just stick out my chin and grin and say come out tomorrow so you gotta hang on till tomorrow come what may tomorrow tomorrow I love ya tomorrow you're only a day away One thing I like um, about that um, particular rendition, one thing I like about that particular rendition of tomorrow is that it's quiet. And yeah, if you've seen the musical, Annie really belts that thing out in another scene. 
But it's also a song to sing quietly sometimes. Same thing with joy. We can be triumphant, but we can also be quiet or humble or even sadly joyful or hopeful. Hope is another close cousin of joy, isn't it? Joy can be shouted, but it can also be whispered. We can, we can be joyful standing with our fists in the air, but we can also be joyful on our knees. Communion with God is something like the weather. There are sunny days and overcast days and storms, but the sky never goes away. So reach for it when things are dark and sad or your day is gray and lonely because joy is always closer than we think. It's why Paul can say, in light of Ecclesiastes 3, rejoice in the Lord always because it's right there closer than we think. A seminary professor once said something that I'll never forget. It was one of those things where a light went on for me. You know, one of those like 10 things I can actually remember really well from seminary. (laughs) He said this. He said, the Christian life is not characterized by perfection. But it is characterized by an all-out fight against sin. God never expects us to be perfect, but he does ask us to fight against our own tendency to sin. That's part of our witness, really. And I think something similar might be true for joy. Even on days where joy seems far away, on gray days when we're not belting out, tomorrow, tomorrow, I love you, tomorrow, Will we nevertheless reach for joy because we believe, because we know as sure as the sky is up above that joy is closer than she seems to be? Will we reach for joy because we know joy is closer than we think? One author I read this week made this observation. Happy people aren't happy all the time, but they're rarely sad for long. They're always in motion, moving toward joy. I like that. The implied advice there is wise advice. When we're down, when times are tough, we should still be reaching and moving toward joy. And remember, when we reach for joy, we've got the greatest partner possible reaching with us, God himself, reaching with us for his joy and moving with us toward joy. But we need to reach with him and for him, the author of joy. So when we're having a rough time, keep moving. Keep moving toward joy. Now, when I got to this point in preparing the message, another song popped into my head, but it was one of those songs One of those ideas that popped into my head where I laughed and I said, yeah, like I'm going to play that song in church. But then I thought, why not? It, It illustrates well this keep moving toward joy idea, so why not? Now, this could be one of those times where a bad idea seems like a good idea after you let it hang around long enough. You know what I mean? 
It's like that Bill Cosby routine. Remember the one where he um, talks himself into thinking that giving his kids chocolate cake for breakfast is a good idea? (laughs) Eggs, there are eggs in chocolate cake and milk. Anyway, I'm thinking not, not many preachers will play this song on a Sunday morning in church. I don't know. So do you want to hear it? Okay, well, please forgive me. Let's listen. a sign there on your back says I don't mind if you kick me seems like everybody has things go from bad to worse you think they can't get worse than that and then they do you step off the straight and narrow and you don't know where you are use the needle of your compass to sew up your broken heart ask directions from a genie and a bottle of Jim Beam and she lies to you That's when you learn the truth If you're going through hell Keep on going Don't slow down If you're scared Don't show it You might get out For the devil even knows you're there Well, I've been deep down in that darkness I've been down in my last match Filled a hundred different demons Breathing fire down my back And I knew that if I stumbled I'd fall right into trap that they were laying, yeah. But the good news is there's angels everywhere out on the street, holding out a hand to pull you back up on your feet. The ones that you've been dragging for so long, you're on your knees, you might as well be praying. Guess what I'm saying, if you're going through hell, keep on going, don't slow down. If you're scared, don't show
country western music, such a, such a source of profound truth. <laughs> if I could just convince our choir director of that. I mean. <laughs> you know, laughter is another close cousin, cousin of joy. Joy's got a great family. Love, hope, laughter, many more like it. You ever see someone, or maybe you've experienced it yourself, right in the middle of something really hard, even during a time where you've never felt more broken in your life, suddenly laughter shows up? It may only be a wry chuckle, but sometimes laughter will just burst into the picture. So much so that people around you think, oh, oh, he finally lost it. (laughs) Laughter, if you can find it, is a great way to reach for joy. It's another reason I like that song. It makes me laugh at something that, as silly as it first seems, is really profound. When we're having a rough time, keep moving toward joy. It's closer than you think. You know, Jesus did this. When you ask people why Jesus died on the cross, I forget the statistics, but I remember that by far the most common answer was love. Jesus died on the cross to save us from our sins because he loves us, and and that's right. But alongside of love, and obedience, for that matter, is another reason that Jesus endured the cross. And that word endured just triggered a memory verse in many of you I know from Hebrews. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus knew to keep moving toward joy when things got as bad as they could possibly get, to reach for the joy set before him, even while on the cross. I love that phrase, set before him. It communicates that it's right there, doesn't it? Set before him. And so too with us. Speaking of Jesus and This is sort of a P.S. to the message this morning. Jesus tells tells a parable about not only reaching for joy or obtaining joy, but also holding on to joy once you have it. Did you know? I must have read this parable a hundred times before and never noticed it until this past week. Whenever that happens, it's always a good reminder to keep reading our Bibles. We'll never exhaust all that's in here. It's the parable of the sower. You know, the one with the seed landing on the four different types of soil. You've heard of it? One of you have. I'll keep going. <laughs> you know, there's a sower sowing seed, and there's, there's the hard path, there's the rocky ground, the thorns, and the good soil. And our hearts are supposed to be, Jesus says, like the good soil that keeps and nurtures the seed of God's Word. But here's the thing I never noticed really until this week. 
the rocky ground. Jesus tells us the rocky ground represents people who not only hear the Word of God, but receive it. But then in a time of testing, hard times, they fall away because it hasn't taken root. You say, wow, pastor, that's great, but what does that have to do with joy? So glad you asked. Listen to what Jesus says about the rocky ground people. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in a time of testing, they fall away. They received the word with joy, even the rocky ground people. That made me do a little dance this week. Do you suppose, do you suppose that one reason at least why the seed and the rocky ground people didn't take root was because they let go of the joy they felt when they first heard it? Seems to me if they had held on to God's joy they felt when they first received His Word or at least reached for it when those hard times of testing hit, they'd be like the good soil people and wouldn't fall away. There's a resilience to joy, and even reaching for joy that withstands or sees us through hard things. So how's our soil today? Do you still remember the joy of the Lord when you first knew God, when you first knew Jesus as your Lord and Savior? You still remember that moment when it first hit you what Jesus did for you, when you were first face-to-face and heart-to-heart with God's infinite love for you? Or do we sometimes allow the devil to push that joy to a distant memory? Maybe we struggle with joy in the Lord always because we let that joy fade away. No wonder, no wonder God asks us to remember, remember Remember what he's done for us, like we'll do next week in communion and in baptism for that matter. No wonder he wants us to remember because he knows. He knows that when we reach for that memory, when we reach to remember what he's done for us, we're reaching back again for that joy of meeting our first true love, God. Whenever joy seems far away because of life's circumstances, reach for her. She's closer than you think, so keep moving toward joy. Love helps us move toward joy and reach for her. Hope helps us move toward joy and reach for joy. Laughter does too. And so does remembering what God has done for us. Are you facing struggles today? Are your struggles threatening to take you down? Then reach. Reach for joy in the Lord. Reach for it with all your might. Move toward joy and reach like you know it's right there set before you because it is. Joy in the Lord is closer than we think. Let's pray.
Father in heaven, you were right again when you first told Adam and Eve that life would be really hard given the fall. And your son, Jesus, was right again when he told us that people would make things hard for us just for following you. Thanks, Father, for being a God that gives us that heads up when it comes to life. But thank you, Father, even more that it's not just a heads up you give and then walk away, but for running to us, for being with us, for reaching with us for joy in you when those hard things hit. Help us, Father, to trust that. Help our hearts to turn there even when our hearts feel like they can't feel anything anymore because it's just so tough. Rekindle in us that love between us and you, our first love. Light that Holy Spirit fire within us individually and as a community and let us pick and eat deeply of the fruit of the Spirit of joy. We love you, and in Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Would you stand, please? I'll have you sing our little benediction song once more. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Do you know where that comes from? Which book in the Bible? Have I shared that with you? Does anybody know? The jo- oh, I heard it. I heard Nehemiah. Very good. I thought when I first came across that song, I thought, you know, if rejoice in the Lord always is Philippians 4 verse 4, I figured maybe Philippians 4 verse 5 was Paul saying, the joy of the Lord is my strength. But it's Nehemiah. You remember the story of Ezra and Nehemiah? So you get two sermons for the price of, one, uh, price of one. The people have just come back from captivity. They've rebuilt the temple, and they've just rebuilt the wall, and they take a look at it, and they're sad because they remember how great the temple and the wall in Jerusalem looked before. And the priest, Ezra, gets up, and he reminds them, you're remembering the wrong thing. It's not about a temple or a wall. It's about God. And the feast breaks out, the feast of Sukkot and tabernacles, and they party for seven days. Can you imagine? Party hard. hard, That's right. (laughs) And Ezra reminds them that the joy of the Lord isn't about circumstances in life. It's not about a shoddy-looking temple or a rudimentary wall or the things and circumstances of life. It's about the Lord. And he says to them, the joy of the Lord is our strength. So let's sing that little song, the joy of the Lord. Let's use the pronoun our in community. 
You have to think of it, because if you know the song, you almost automatically say my, but the joy of the Lord is our strength. Can we sing it? Sing along with me. The joy of the Lord is our strength. 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 And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. We'll see you next week. God bless you all.